0: Welcome to You Still, a podcast hosted by me, Ella Delancey-Jones. We talk about motherhood, the absolute elation and the surprises, as well as attempting to bridge the gap between who we were before we had our children and who we are now. Don't forget to follow at You Still Podcast on Instagram and Twitter so you don't miss a thing. It's lovely to have you here. Gave birth to Polly. We spent a really uncertain first night on the postnatal ward before Polly was investigated and it was found that she may have suspected sepsis. We then went down and spent some time in NICU. That's a story for another time. I feel like I don't still have all the answers as to what decisions were made and why they were made. I'm waiting for my birth reflections appointment. I'm hoping to cover that whole experience in another episode, a quite a personal one to me. But something I really wanted to cover in an episode of You Still was the gap in knowledge and education around what happens when your pregnancy and your birth and the birth of your baby and the health of your baby doesn't quite go to plan. Whether you're expecting to go and spend some time in NICU because you know in advance that your baby might have some complications or whether it's a complete surprise like it was to us. I don't feel like there was any education around what to expect. Expect what kind of things we would run into the names of things because I don't know whether it was because we don't want to scare new mothers before they give birth I felt like actually I would have benefited from at least a little bit of a run-through on what to expect if we for god forbid ended up in NICU which we did we weren't prepared at all and it's an experience that has stayed with us we actually only stayed there for one week but I feel like you know a week is long enough it's just something that will Stay with us for a long time, and because of that gap, I went in search of answers and shared experiences, and I came across a few accounts, one of them being the NICU Mummy. So I really am so excited to introduce this guest because she has had first hand NICU experience with her first son, but also she has taken that experience and grown an online community to be a support for other mothers and fathers who maybe are going to be spending time. Time in NICU, or have spent time in NICU, and who just want to share their experiences and come together and and connect with people who know what it's like. So I'm really pleased to introduce her. It was a lovely conversation, and here she is. Hello, Sam. Thank you so much for coming on. Are you still no problem at all. Thank you for having me. I I have followed you for a while. Actually, I think you were probably one of the first. Um, Nick, NICU accounts I followed when when we had our stay and actually the subsequent you know emotions that came with that I was doing a bit of research and, and found you and a couple of other accounts as well which I think has been just so helpful to understanding what we went through and, and also like how to deal with those emotions but it would be really really lovely if you could tell me a little bit about your story how you created your your community and what and what led to that that'd be great
1: yeah no it's fine um so my eldest son he is five now almost five and a half and he was a full-term NICU baby we knew at 20 weeks that there was a problem with his left lung and it was very much a watch and wait and hope that we sort of get to the end of the pregnancy when he was born he wasn't able to sort of breathed sufficiently on his own which I didn't really see coming because when he came out he was crying and I automatically my head was like oh my god he's fine like he's breathing he's crying like there's gonna be nothing to worry about here like all is well what I didn't see was that he had a very very deep chest recession and my husband spotted that when the midwife sort of took him to sort of check him out after he was born then taken straight to NICU which we knew was going to be the case just to be assessed and me and my husband had agreed that he would follow the baby wherever he needed to go and we then were at our local hospital for about nine days and then we got rushed down to Great Ormond Street which is about, about three hours from us and basically he required surgery and um, he had two lesions on his left lung one of the lesions definitely had to come out because that was the part that was sort of affecting his breathing the most he wasn't able to tolerate any milk or anything so yeah the plan was to whip that one out and the surgeon would assess the second lesion and hope that he could leave it behind which thankfully he was able to do in total we were in NICU for a whole month and yeah it took me a long time to be able to talk about it and not feel very overwhelmed and consumed by it but during lockdown I would obviously we all had nothing to do I was also on my maternity leave and I kind of thought actually maybe it would be quite a good time to like start a blog so that's what I did and then wrote a few posts about that and then set my social media which is still quite shocking to me actually just how many people sort of chose to follow and engage and I've also validated my feelings because I put a lot of my feelings out there. Some of them, I'm not too sort of embarrassed is a bit of a strong word, but I'm not too embarrassed to sort of put out there. But sometimes there are some quite ugly feelings. And even if one person just responds and says, yeah, that's me, is, I feel the same way. You know, that, that does not only helps them, but it also helps me. So I'm quite glad that I've been able to sort of create this community. And it's a bit sad, really, because I kind of wish I had this at the time. I think it would have been really, really helpful. It never crossed my mind to look on social media, you know, five five years ago, five and a bit years ago. But I can't imagine there actually would have been anybody talking about NICU on there. I do feel like it's a part of not just motherhood, but parenthood that isn't talked about very much, um, which is another reason why I like to talk about it. Because even if it hasn't happened to you, the likelihood is you will know somebody in your life that it does happen to. And actually, a lot of people think that it's quite a, straightforward thing to sort of support somebody through and you know people think they're saying the right thing when actually they're not and so a, a lot of the posts that I've done are you know what not to say and actually this would be more helpful than you know suggesting this and things like that so not only there's sort of raise awareness of NICU for those who've been through it but also for other people so that they get a better understanding of what it means
0: yeah yeah it's so important I mean what you just said about you don't think it would be there five and a half years ago I I agree I think social media has has developed so much and the way people use social media as well has changed it's not just about you know posting pictures of our lunches anymore there's a real you know community <laughs> on there yeah something I, I just picked up on when you when you you said that you found out quite early on in your pregnancy that he may have um the lesions on the lungs and, and Nikki was going to be a, mm-hmm. a possibility or, or, or likely yeah
1: um it was a possibility they did show us round i don't remember any of that i very much i wasn't in the headspace to have gone round there in the first place and whilst they did show us round it didn't actually tell us the reality of it like it probably seemed really obvious to the doctors and nurses and midwives but nobody said to me that i'd have to leave them in the hospital every night but nobody said that and nobody told me what feeding options were So I didn't know that I wouldn't be able to breastfeed him. And I appreciate that given his condition, they probably didn't know whether I'd be able to breastfeed him. But there could have been, you know, advice about expressing and things like that, because I was very much a sort of rabbit in the headlights.
0: Yeah. So so this is one of the reasons why I wanted to do this part, this episode of this podcast, Mm -hmm. because I feel like there's not enough support or advice or education around what happens if if you have a baby who needs to go to NICU because a lot of the antenatal lessons are around if you have a spontaneous um, um, labor and what's going to happen and then you're going to have the golden hour and you're going to do this and that and then you're going to there's no real indication of or how you should feel or what you should do if things don't go to plan the i think the most thing about you know if it doesn't go to plan yeah. we say like oh oh you know if your labor doesn't progress you might have an emergency c-section and that's kind of as as far as it goes So for us it was a different situation but we knew that Polly was was extremely small from 32 weeks and we no one really knew why uh, and it was really, a really scary end to my pregnancy, to be honest. And we, to be honest, didn't know that she would be going to NICU, she she was born. And I had one night with her in the hospital, just in the postnatal ward. And then the next day it was discovered that she had an infection, but it was really, they, they think it was sepsis or suspected sepsis. So we went down to NICU. They were like, we're taking her now. And like you, we were like, yeah, deer, rabbit, whichever in the headlight, we went down and there was all the machines beeping. And I remember I was like 72 hours by this point on no sleep. They were telling me things and it was terrifying because we weren't prepared for this. And there was nothing that, I mean, well, I was about to say, I don't think there's anything that could have prepared us for it, but I think knowing that maybe it was an Potential thing that could happen would have maybe made things a little bit easier. I think the other
1: thing is NICU is a very broad term. Mm. And, you know, whilst ours was called NICU, and we were in the intensive care room, there was also high dependency, HDU, and Scaboo as well. And actually, for some people who may be aware of NICU, if they hear that their baby's, I don't know, for example, jaundice, and they've got mm. to go to NICU, then actually that might sort of trigger something for them when in actual fact they need to go to HDU or they need to go to yeah. And So I don't know whether that would perhaps panic people more. I think it's just like a terminology issue. Yeah. And I actually have people sort of message me saying, oh, my baby was only in HDU or my baby was only in SCABU. Like, can I still follow? And I'm like, well, of course, because NICU yeah. is that broad term. Um, it does include everybody you know, and I always say like, it doesn't matter like which, you know, specific unit you were in or how many days you were in there for. And people say like, oh, we're only there for a few days. Well, that's a few days too many, in my opinion. So,
0: yeah. So, so this is something I've kind of wanted to drill down into as well is, I don't want to say competition because that is totally the wrong term, but I have come across comments, not on your channel at all, but I have come across like forums and things where people have said that oh like for example her baby wasn't really um you know she wasn't even he wasn't even premature so he he wasn't you know you know do you know what I mean like so, yeah like, that's just ignorance it, it is ignorance and it's like because they're both obviously so Polly was born at 37 plus three and your son was
1: 39
0: plus one yeah so like really really time. so probably was like early term but still term and also the fact that you know you said you were there for just over a month and we were there for just over a week but as you say I don't think that because anyone is there longer or shorter that it 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 changes your experience no because at the end
1: of the day if you're in there for I don't know three days or three months you're still leaving your baby behind at the end of the day whether that's to go home or if that if you know it's three days and you're still on the postnatal ward and you're not with your baby that feels the same for all of us no matter how you know how long it goes on for we all know how it feels so that's why I just think the length of time there is irrelevant in terms of feelings because it's
0: tough we were really, really lucky we were so lucky because we were only there for a week but then we were able to stay in the so the parent suite was just lovely, but because of her infection, I did have to leave her. So it was mm-hmm. almost, it was an alien to me to leave her in this incubator and then go into my little room and then just not have her with me. I was worried that I wasn't going to be able to establish breastfeeding and all that kind of stuff and something that's going to stick with me for a really long, long time. And that's okay as well. Yeah. Yeah.
1: Because it's, it's a big thing to happen, especially when you're taken off guard. With it as well. I know obviously we had a bit of an inkling, but it's still like the reality of it. You don't know what that is until you're there.
0: So th- so this is really good to come on to my next point actually is that when we came out of hospital, uh well, NICU, I really felt like people didn't really understand what we'd been through. And it was almost like, well, you're home now and it's fine. Yeah. And I found I was like, but she is literally 10 days old and she is like five pounds and I we've just gone through this huge traumatic experience Mm -hmm. and I found that really hard to deal with because I kind of wanted to be like but everything's not fine it's like it felt like almost churlish to be like that but it wasn't it wasn't for us it was huge yeah I don't know whether you have had experience of that yeah
1: we yeah we did experience that but we also had a really good support network around us and Whilst I didn't want to talk about it really, it was really, I found it really hard for the first year and I didn't really want to talk about it. I found lots of, you know, very menial things, very um, overwhelming and which in hindsight, I w- yeah, I definitely wasn't OK. And obviously there is no support for parents after NICU as well. It's very much like, OK, well, your baby's fine. he's being discharged. Say bye. And that's you just need to like crack on and get on with it. And when that's the professional's view, you know, that's obviously going to be the view of everybody else as well. Although well, saying that so there obviously are professionals that don't believe that it that you should sort of be left to it. And to be fair, in the five years, things have changed slightly. And, you know, there's more like psychologists and things on the unit to sort of help parents. And But then whilst you've got that support for you there and then, once you, you are home, mm-hmm. there then isn't much for you again but again that's why I talk the way that I do on social media because you know somebody might see the post about what you should or shouldn't say and how you can support a loved one through NICU that just you know just stumbles across it because somebody else has shared it randomly and they're like oh so and so is in NICU right I'm gonna make sure that I've got food to send around to make sure that they're you know they're eating well and I'm not going to bombard them with messages. I'm going to wait patiently. And when they've got something to say, they'll say they'll tell me. And I know that's difficult because I have been on the si- other side of it now because my nephew was born at 32 weeks mm-hmm. during lockdown. And so I do see how difficult it was for our friends and family. And you do have to really resist that urge to constantly message and say, you know how's he doing how are you like what can I do that was interesting actually to experience it the other way always more that can be done always
0: yeah absolutely absolutely something I found really interesting actually is we we obviously went down to NICU together and I was offered postnatal therapy which was really good. But at the time they they said that it was par, like parental. So Will would be included. My husband would be included as well. And then when it the letter came through, it was only for me. And I found that quite interesting that obviously, yes, they have a duty to mothers, but do they not have to fathers as well? Because dads go through it too. Luckily, you know, me and my husband have been so open with our communication about our feelings. We talk about it a lot. We actually, you know, some, one of us will say, Hey, do you remember that one night in NICU when this happened out of the blue? And we'll talk about it because it still weighs mm. on our mind. But I think doing that is really helpful. But in terms of actual professional support, it wasn't something that he was offered. He would have probably gone private if he, if he felt like he needed that.
1: Yeah. yeah, dads are totally forgotten in NICU, totally forgotten. And I don't know about you, but for us, my, my husband was holding me up during that whole time. And then there was nobody obviously I wasn't the one holding him up as it were um yeah and yet again after I mean there wasn't anything f- for me as a mother after let you know let alone him either and it is sad really because you know they see a lot too they expect they they're leaving their babies behind each day as well but that doesn't seem to be you know mm-hmm. I was bawling my eyes out every time I had to do it but because he wasn't does that mean that he was fine with it I don't think so. I think he was just holding it together to help get me through that through that time. Much more needs to be done for dads as well. I really don't think it's fair at all. I just I just think they slip through the net and they're just totally forgotten
0: massively. I actually wrote a piece a while ago for Grazia about paternal mental health mm-hmm. because it's there's only a few charities um like Dad Matters like yeah. um don't Black Dads that are actually doing things independently it's all it's all about the mother and the pregnancy and yeah as you say they slip through the net
1: because the other thing I really struggled from that 20 week point onwards knowing that we were uh, you know our son wasn't healthy completely healthy and there was going to be potential complications and things like I was yep. signed off work like I couldn't just couldn't manage everyday things I really really struggled mentally with that yep. news and he he carried on doesn't mean that he found it easy Doesn't mean that he didn't need that extra help. Um, But again, constantly carrying me through, making sure that I'm okay, when actually there wasn't anybody to check to see if he was okay.
0: So, in terms of advice for parents who Maybe have an inkling that they might be visiting NICU or even ones that are in it right now or those who have been through it. I know that's obviously a variation, but do you have any specific advice for NICU parents, past and present? I think
1: everybody is different, of course, but talking about it or even writing about it. Like I found it so therapeutic writing about what happened to her. And actually, I remember when. I was releasing those blogs like a few days at a time week at a time whatever it was and you know some of my best friends would read it and they were like well you never told me you felt that way and I was like well it's so much easier to write it down and have strangers read it than say it out loud to somebody that you know like it's really really tough to do that so yeah writing it down seeking professional help if you are struggling with it you you know you can go to your GP they can refer you it can be quite long-winded it can take a long time but I definitely think that it is worth looking into if you if you are really, really struggling with it. There are obviously, you know, private routes that you can take if that's something that you're able to access, then brilliant. But if not, you know, keep persevering. If you're not getting, a re- you know, you're not referred to the person that you think you need to be referred to, go back to your GP, like advocate for yourself. It's a big thing. And it's very easy for me to sit here and say that now because I didn't do that four years ago. And I I did look for help I did ask for help didn't get sent to the right place and that was more because we wanted to have another baby but I was just terrified of the same thing happening again even though we were told you know it was just one of those things it wasn't a genetic thing and you know I was looking for the support to sort of get me through another pregnancy and I didn't get it on a professional level at that time when I became pregnant I had a great midwife I asked to be back under consultant care had the same consultant as I did the first time and they listened and what do you need to get through the pregnancy and I told them and they pretty much agreed to everything that I needed to do so yeah I just think it is difficult to do but you have every right to advocate for yourself like looking back for me personally I probably would have parented a bit differently if I'd have sought help earlier not that I think I did a bad job by any means but I just think I would have been in a much better frame of mind and I would have possibly enjoyed it more rather than being so anxious about things all the time talking advocating writing it down it it can be really helpful I hope that it's helpful for anybody that's listening
0: Oh, thank you. That is perfect. And and I, I've certainly found it helpful. So I'm sure other people will as well. Unfortunately, we're not the first and we're not the last, no. you know?
1: Definitely. Definitely. So
0: where can people find you?
1: So I am on Instagram and Facebook at The NICU Mummy. I do have a blog online. There's links to that via my Instagram pages. So yeah, anybody, there's whether you know anybody that's been to NICU, whether it's you yourself, if you just want to know more about it, then you know, please, please join.
0: Thank you so much. I appreciate it so much.
1: No problem at all. Thank you for talking to me.
0: I think that was a really valuable conversation and Sam said something that really stuck with me when she mentioned about whether she would parent differently and it kind of struck me like oh would I parent differently and actually thinking about it I think I might because we had such a shaky start and the end of my pregnancy was such a whirlwind of the unknown and we didn't know what was going to happen with Polly with me and then obviously NICU happened and I feel like because of that I'm much more of a nervous mother maybe I'm very paranoid I am I'm still really militant when it comes to how much she's eating how much she's going to the toilet how much she's sleeping believe me when I tell you that I have marked everything that's passed her lips every single nappy every minute of sleep since the day that she has been born and I know that sounds crazy and maybe it is maybe this is a conversation for another episode about you know how far is too far with the apps it was very drummed into me that she needed to be on a two-hourly schedule so when that started changing I started panicking and it wasn't until I realized oh you know she's getting bigger she's getting older she doesn't need to be fed every single two hours that I began to relax slightly and I feel like maybe because I'm having these conversations and seeing Polly in front of my eyes actually thriving that I'm I'm going to be able a little bit to relax slightly like I don't know I'm not quite there yet I still feel like our very early experiences has colored the way that I parent I'm not willing really to let her go out of my sight the idea of going away for a night or stopping breastfeeding or anything that means I won't be there or that I'm not doing the very best that I can for her I struggle with a lot I mean we can talk about mum guilt in another episode wink wink it might be coming but yeah I don't know whether that's just giving me food for thought to be honest but I hope you enjoyed this episode because I really do feel like it's important that we bridge that gap between a healthy pregnancy and a healthy birth and then you have the baby and then you go home to actually sometimes that's not the way it happens and you need extra help and that can be a massively traumatic experience and just because you go home and you have a healthy baby at the end of it it doesn't just go away and you're not just fine I'd be really intrigued to hear whether anyone else has experiences of NICU whether you were there for an evening whether you were there for months how you feel whether that's changed your parenting style if it has if it hasn't yeah let me know I'd be really really keen to find out just send me a message at you still podcast on Instagram and we'll have a chat about it thank you again so much for being here and I will catch you in the next one Thank you for joining me for this episode of You Still. You can join the community and keep up to date with all new episodes by following at you Still podcast on Instagram and Twitter. If you want to get in touch to tell me how I'm doing, suggest new guests, or let me know which topics you'd like me to cover, email youstillpodcast at gmail.com. I would love to hear from you.